Have you ever unexpectedly found something or been given something that was particularly valuable or meaningful to you? Maybe it was a favorite childhood toy or collectible or, or a picture. Or maybe it was an heirloom that had been passed down to you from a grandmother, a grandfather, or great-grandmother, a great-grandfather. Something that had significance to you in your life that perhaps had been misplaced. And all of a sudden, one day, when you weren't even looking for it, you stumbled upon it. Well, as a child, for a couple years as a child anyway, I had uh, a strong interest in collecting sports cards. And as a fourth, fifth, or sixth grader, any time that I had a few dollars of spare change, I was likely to purchase a package or two of basketball cards that could be found in the checkout aisle at Walmart or the local grocery store. And on some occasions, I would even save up several dollars and have to go to one of those specialty uh, shops where you could purchase one of the cards that had been put underneath the glass enclosure at the checkout because it was believed to be worth more money. Now, I can remember well on one particular occasion my dad giving my brother and me some of his old baseball cards. And these were cards that had survived decades of storage and had survived a, uh, at least one house flood that had destroyed a number of other uh, household items and uh, valuables. And as we looked through those cards, I remember two particular cards standing out to me. And one was of Mickey Mantle, and the other was of Willie Mays. And I'd spent enough time, even as a child, looking through those little magazines that you could purchase that tell you uh, how much particular sports cards are worth or are currently valued at that are put out by the little card value people, whoever they are, um, that I knew that, that cards, particularly older cards that were in good condition of uh, successful athletes were usually valued at more money. And so needless to say, when I discovered that this Mickey Mantle was worth something like 25 or $30 and the Willie Mays something like 65 to $75, I was overwhelmed. I couldn't believe this. I didn't have anything else at the time that was worth anything like that. But in time, my love for basketball began to overshadow my lack of love for baseball. And I initiated a trade with a good friend of mine uh, by giving him all of my baseball cards, including the ones that Dad had passed down to me, for just a select few number of basketball cards that I thought would look good in my card binder. Even though their total worth was far less than what I had given up. And needless to say, when Dad found out that I had <laughs> given his Mickey Mantle to one of my buddies, he was not too happy about it, and we had to work something out to reverse that trade. <laughs> but even though these cards were initially 
valuable to me because dad had given them to me. I quickly failed to recognize their worth. And this morning we're going to look at at two scenarios, two short parables, two stories that Jesus told from Matthew chapter 13 about two people, two men that, that discovered something that was so significant, that was worth so much that they did whatever they needed to to attain it and to retain it, to attain it, to acquire it, and to hang on to it. Through these two scenarios, we learn valuable lessons about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, meaning the realm over which God rules through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13 as we continue our message series entitled The Divine Storyteller, looking at parables, stories that Jesus told His listeners. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. God's people ought to be known for joyful abandonment of worldly things because they have received something far greater. God's people, us, the church, followers of Christ, ought to be known for joyful abandonment of worldly things because they have received something far greater. That's the central truth that we learn from these two short scenarios, these two short stories that Jesus told his listeners. And he tells the first about a treasure that's hidden in a field. And in a time in which there were no formal banks and in a region of the world that was often a battleground for Egyptians and Assyrians and Babylonians. It was not uncommon for the Israelites to bury treasure in the ground. In fact, buried treasure was most likely the safest place uh, to be kept hidden, to be kept away from, from enemies that were constantly coming through the land and from plunders that were, were ravaging the land and the possessions of, of the people in ancient Palestine. So burying treasure in a field was not uncommon in that day. However, finding such treasure was probably much more rare. Rarely would, would somebody stumble across such valuables hidden in the ground. But here in this particular scenario, Jesus told about a man who did find such treasure. Someone who did come across somebody's possessions most treasured possessions that they had hidden away underneath the soil. And, and Jesus tells us that when, when the man found it, he was filled with great joy. Entering God's kingdom leads to great joy. Entering God's kingdom leads to great joy. Now I know since all of you here this morning are good Southern Baptist 
church-going Christians. None of you have ever gambled, but let's just suppose for the sake of an illustration that you did, and just once. (laughs) Or if you still don't like that scenario, you still don't like that thought, you can't even begin to relate to that, imagine that you have just purchased a value meal from McDonald's during the $1 million Monopoly sweepstakes. And you have just discovered, you have just realized, you've been notified that you have won the lottery. Millions of dollars. Or in the other scenario, you have just peeled back your uh, little sticker off your cup from your value meal. And you have now attained boardwalk. Causing you to be the one million dollar winner. You now have more money than you could even imagine. In this particular case, you you have more money than than you could attain if you worked the rest of your life. You never have to put another day's work in because you are set for life. And in either of those situations, our initial response would be ecstatic. Because we've received something that that we never imagined attaining or nor ever even Imagine deserving, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, for no reason at all, we have discovered that we are the recipients of an incredible gift. But the reality, according to God's Word and the truth of God's Word, is that those gifts pale in comparison to being part of God's kingdom. They pale in comparison because money and earthly possessions, no matter how much it is, is temporary. It doesn't last. Sure, it brings happiness for a season. Sure, it brings happiness for a time. But but at the end of this life, if not before, that that money's going to be gone. Happiness is not the same as Christian joy. Christian joy is only found by surrendering to the King of the kingdom, Jesus Christ. Because Christian joy doesn't look at life through, through current circumstances or situations or possessions. But Christian joy is rooted in the finished work of Jesus Christ on a cross when He defeated sin and evil and the grave. It's rooted in the hope of eternal life. Life without end. Life everlasting. And this is the truth that that Jesus was getting at through this story. A man found a treasure hidden in his field. Immediately overtaken by the joy of being in God's kingdom. For those that surrender to the king, those that recognize their need of a savior, their need of the Lord, and surrender their life to Christ, receiving the free gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, have gone from from enemies of God, according to Scripture, to children of God. They've gone from those outside of the kingdom of God, outside of the will of God, outside of the inheritance and the blessings of God, to to being heirs of God. They've gone from spiritually dead in sin to spiritually alive in Jesus Christ. And In Ephesians chapter 2, it's stated this way, As for you... 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins and what you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Because entering God's kingdom leads to great joy, you and I, as the people of God, ought to dwell on the value of eternal life in Christ. Dwell on the value, the worth of supreme, the supreme worth of eternal life in and through Jesus Christ. Think about it often. Ask God to remind you of it daily, of what you have, the inheritance you have as a child of God who has surrendered to to Jesus Christ, to one who has laid down his life for you, given his life for you, so that you don't receive what you deserve, rather you receive what only he deserves. And as we dwell on that reality, as we think of that truth often, as we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, then we will be filled with joy. It doesn't mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that it will be comfortable. It doesn't mean that everything will go our way. It doesn't mean that we will be successful in the eyes of the world. But the reality that that God, the eternal, almighty God has sent His Son to take on the the sacrifice, the punishment that we deserve so, so that we can live eternally in His presence without illness, without harm, without sin, without experiencing the due judgment of God that we deserve. That is a thought that ought to lead every single one of us to live each day with Christian joy despite circumstances that we might face in this world. Look back with me at Matthew chapter 13. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, Back in the first scenario here, we said that this man who discovered the treasure that in this situation is compared to the kingdom of God. The first thing he did when he found it was he hid it again. 
We covered it back in the soil. Now, we need to be careful that we don't read something into this that's not being communicated. This is not, Jesus was not teaching nor saying, nor does the Bible teach or say that when we find salvation in Christ, that we keep it to ourselves and we don't, we don't share it with the lost and dying world. That's, that's contrary. That's the opposite of the message of Christ. But what's being communicated here in the context of this particular passage is that in that day, under rabbinic law, under Jewish law, if the man had taken the treasure out of the field, out of the ground, it would have automatically belonged to his master, to the field's owner, unless he owned that field. And so what does he do? He recognizes the worth of what he's discovered, and he leaves it in the ground, he covers it back up, and then he goes and gives up everything in order to buy that piece of property. Now, the morality of the man's actions is not Jesus' point here. Jesus' point is the supreme value, the supreme worth of God's kingdom. And so he tells this second story, this second scenario, in order to reinforce that truth. The kingdom of heaven is also like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Unlike the the man who just stumbled upon the treasure, this, this was an expert. Merchant was an expert. He knew what he was after. He knew what he was looking for. And when he found what he was after, when he found the pearl of of great value, like the man when he discovered the treasure, he, he gave up everything else. He sold everything he had in order to acquire that because he realized its worth. And in the same way, the, the kingdom of God, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is, is available to the spiritual seeker, to the one who's who is looking for God, who's looking for salvation, whose eyes are open, but it's also available to to the apathetic atheist, the one who's not looking for it at all, the one who has a cold heart. In either situation, the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, may prick their heart and, and draw them to their need of a Savior, their need for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So in both of these scenarios, the men do the same thing. They realize what it is that, that they've found, what it is that they've discovered, and they give up everything else in order to attain it. Now again, we've got to be careful. Jesus was not saying that salvation is something that you or I can purchase. It's not something that you and I can, can purchase by our good deeds or or, or our worth, or, or what we've attained, or anything else in this world. Rather, Jesus, the Lamb of God, has already purchased our salvation on the cross. He has already purchased our salvation through the bloodshed that He poured out on our behalf. Rather, what Jesus is teaching here is that realizing the worth of God's kingdom leads to reordering and abandonment. Realizing the worth of God's kingdom leads to reordering and abandonment. Knowing Jesus makes sacrificing, giving anything else up in in this life in order to more fully know Christ and His salvation. An easy trade. A good trade. Trading dad's baseball cards to a buddy, bad trade. Trading 
anything in this life, a, a life ruled by sin and deserving of the judgment of God, for life in Christ, eternal, eternal life and security in Christ, good trade. Knowing Jesus and being reconciled to God through His sacrifice. Experiencing right standing, forgiveness with the Almighty Creator is big potatoes. Anything else in this life, whether it's worldly ambitions, pursuits, self-interest, small potatoes in comparison. In light of salvation, eternal salvation, entering into the eternal kingdom of God, all of those other things pale in comparison. So say that with me. Knowing God equals big potatoes. One more time. Knowing God, big potatoes. Everything else, small potatoes. Everything else pales in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, to be reconciled, being reconciled to God through Christ and living for Christ. And that leads to reordering of personal priorities in life and, and joyfully abandoning, abandoning anything that interferes with one's relationship with God. And Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's a verse that's quoted by Paul in Romans, quoting Psalms in the Old Testament. And signifying that even believers in Christ, even followers of Christ, will still face difficulties, will still face hardship in this world, even death. But then verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love that God has for His children and has displayed through Jesus Christ is significant. It is vast. It is eternal. It far outweighs and trumps anything else that we could possibly experience or pursue or achieve on our own in this life. So what do we learn from, from this short passage from Jesus about, about the kingdom of God, about the people of God under the reign of God? It's the truth that we've already stated. God's people ought to be known for joyful abandonment of worldly things because they have received something far greater and so in light of that truth, what, what should we do? What should our response to that incredible spiritual reality that Jesus communicated be? We're to surrender anything that hinders our devotion to Christ. Surrender anything that hinders your devotion to Christ. Give it up. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. I don't know what it is that 
that perhaps currently or maybe sometime in the past has has hindered your walk with Christ, has hindered your devotion to Christ. Maybe it is a marriage or a family relationship that's not pleasing to God. Maybe it's a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that doesn't reflect kingdom values. Maybe it's anxiety, a perpetual state of anxiety about what others might think about you. Maybe it's an unhealthy obsession with social media. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography or an addiction to attention or an addiction to anything. Maybe it's simply a hobby, a good hobby that's come before your walk with Christ. Whatever it is, surrender it. Lay it before Christ because it is not on equal grounds with satisfaction and right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Can you honestly say today, can you honestly say this morning, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. Cry out to God and say, God, I recognize and I believe that full satisfaction is found in Christ and in Christ alone. So Lord, I I give you everything else. I give you all of me to, to mold and to shape so that I might more faithfully follow after Jesus Christ from now and always. May my life, may your life be a Christ-centered life. And lastly, reflect love for and allegiance to Christ. Reflect love for and allegiance to Christ. Don't allow the kingdom of God, the ways of God, right relationship with God, by grace through faith in Christ. Don't allow this to simply be something in your mind. I dare say that all of us gathered here this morning, if not nearly all of us gathered here this morning, would have no problem saying that the following Christ, that knowing Christ, that living for Christ in His eternal kingdom is most important, is of utmost value. But may that reality be reflected in the way that we live day after day. May our lives reflect what we acknowledge. May our lives reveal before the world that there is something different about us because we've surrendered to the King, because we live for the King, because we recognize that all of this other stuff pales in comparison to eternal life in Christ and living for our Savior and finding full satisfaction in Him. God's people ought to be known for joyful abandonment of worldly things because they have received something far greater. Church, are we known 
for joyful abandonment because we have received something far greater. I hope that we are. Are you as an individual, as a family, known for radical reordering of your life, of your priorities and joyful abandonment of things that are not consistent with the ways of God? I hope that you are. Let's pray that we are. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We acknowledge that that your word is of you, it is from you, it is fully useful for teaching and for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that we might be fully equipped to follow after you. So Lord, help us to do that today. Lord, help each of us to examine our own lives and to ask ourselves whether our lives reflect kingdom priorities. Lord, whether it's evident before the world around us that that we recognize the supreme worth, the supreme value of knowing and living for you. And Lord, we thank you for salvation. And Lord, we pray that you would remind us of it often, that you'd remind us of it daily, what it is that we've received by your grace. Lord, that you would help us by your spirit to walk in light of that, to live in light of that spiritual reality in each of our lives for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.